You're listening to Episode 5 of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast. Welcome to the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast, a place where you just might find or hear a tiny piece of your motherhood reality. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, an educator, writer, and emotionally frazzled toddler mom. If you've ever felt lonely in your motherhood journey or asked yourself, am I the only one experiencing this? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each episode focuses on a different but common motherhood struggle, where we discuss the ups, the downs, and the WTFs with moms from all around the world. So whether you're stroller pushing and podcasting yourself around the neighborhood, waiting at the doctor's office for your next fertility treatment, or listening with a well-deserved glass of wine at the end of another full day of motherhood, welcome. I hope you can relate to some of what you hear in today's episode, and get ready to raise your hand if you do. Hey, mamas, and welcome to the first Raise Your Glass episode of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. These episodes will follow a slightly different format than usual. I'll be joined by a different guest co-host each time, and we'll have a more informal conversation about a variety of different motherhood-related topics. There will also be drinks involved, so if you can, take a moment now to grab something for yourself. Beer, tea, water, wine, whatever you've got on hand, and join us throughout the episode as we raise our glasses and toast some very special people who have helped us through the tougher, more challenging moments of our motherhood journeys. Okay, we'll be right back with my first guest co-host. Today I'm joined by my very good friend and European neighbor, Brie Nigro. She's a Canadian mama living in Sweden with her partner and 13-year-old daughter. Brie and I have shared a lot of the same experiences over the years, both pre- and post-motherhood. Today we'll talk about raising bilingual children, parenting in a different culture, relationship dynamic changes post-baby, staying true to yourself as a mom, and much more. So let's get started and welcome Brie to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast with Brie Nigro and Raylan Minka. Cheers. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I like that. Yeah. What, are you, what are you drinking? Actually, it's uh, from Prince Edward County. I found it in the system here. I'm drinking it's, a Canadian it's a, like, beer a as temporary. well. Yeah, it's nice. It's, I very rarely have Canadian beer over here. So I bought like 10 of them. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. Yeah. This one had a pretty Canadian flag on it, so I bought it. I generally, oh, when I'm buying cra- craft beer, I just go for the one that's got the the nicest label. You know, yeah, that's, yes. it really inf- it really informs my decision a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you could be here. And okay, as you know, this is the first raise your glass episode of the Raise Your mm-hmm. Hand Motherhood podcast. So basically, the episode format is informal. We're going to drink while we chat, and every now and then, um, we're going to play a game. Okay. Okay. So, um, the uh, yeah, and the idea for these these more informal podcast episodes is that every time I just want to sort of have a chat and a drink with a friend, then I'll throw it in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> just to give you a heads up, so at the end of the episode, or maybe in the middle, or sprinkled throughout, because we might not have drinks left at the end, so yeah. we want to make sure that we we. <laughs> have enough for the actual raise your glass portion of the episode, which is where we can maybe so have a think about this, because I want to go back and forth and do some shout outs to some people that helped you or have helped you over the years Mm. 
in your sort of motherhood journey. Okay. So I can, how about I'll just start off right now. I'll just start off. And I wrote some things down because. Okay. Okay. So, well, I want to end with you. Yeah. I want to end with you. So I want to raise my glass. So we're raising them. You can't see us, but we're raising them to Laura and Killian, who are our downstairs neighbors in Vancouver, which is Mm -hmm. where my son was born. Uh, They had a 10 month old themselves at the time. And Mm -hmm. Killian, I want to say thank you for driving like James Bond being chased by a villain (laughs) on our way to the hospital at five in the morning with me laboring in your backseat. Actually, oh not God. your backseat, but the like car share backseat that you ran out and got. My husband and my doula. Yeah. And to Laura for delivering us a huge bag full of groceries from Whole Foods on the night that we came back, including homemade soups. It made a world oh, of difference. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So cheers, cheers to, them. to them. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. This is going to go down. It's good that we start that's now because that's, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So if you if you think of one, then just let me know and we'll... I would say, I think coming over here, it's just, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's not one specific person for me, but it's, it's the expat community that kind of becomes your family when you move abroad. Huge. And uh, it's so huge. And it's just, it's like anybody that helped me keep my sanity or just helped me take a break or would play with Lena, you know, adult men (laughs) hanging out at our place, like, sitting there teaching Lena how to whistle from a beer bottle, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> entertaining cheers. her in weird ways. So cheers to them. Cheers to them. And I'll spitball off of that one or roll off of that one. My next one is for um, a group that I came to know while I was living in Malaysia. So an expat community mm-hmm. um, while I was playing Gaelic football in Malaysia. And we were part of a club called Orang Air or OE. Mm-hmm. And years later, after I had moved away from Malaysia, lived in Germany for a few years, moved to Vancouver, um, still super connected with this group, um, primarily through social media now, through WhatsApp and whatnot, and got admitted to a a baby OE WhatsApp group. So I want to (laughs) say... I want to raise my glass, raise my glass to these ladies for letting me take over the WhatsApp group because they had all sort of, you know, it had already existed for a few years at that point. So even Mm. as a late entry, I, I would wager, Brie, that every single question in that group in the last year and a half has either been asked or started in the last year by me, for sure. So I just <laughs> want to say thank you to them for being so supportive. And everybody needs one of these groups if you are not in one already. So like a like football group. Yeah. So yeah. cheers to them. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, I'm drinking beer, not cider, but that's okay. That's how it goes. So getting back to this, my guest today... <laughs> on the show is Brie Nigro. And now I want to review our friendship to date. Yes. Together. Okay. So Brie and I have been friends since high school. Um, Mm -hmm. Her dad, her dad was my grade nine geography teacher and a teacher of many other subjects and also a coach for many years. We played on a lot of the same teams together. Mm -hmm. We went to the same university. We played open mics together. Do you remember those? I do remember those. Some of those early open mics, like university years, you playing the piano. We jammed a lot of songs. Yeah, I think I sang This Year's Love at one point. That was a big oh, yeah. one. And I forgot the I forgot the words. I remember that. Oh, did you? I don't remember that at all. Yeah, those kind of things get imprinted in your brain. <laughs> um, but we really reconnected, I would say, in our mid-20s um, yeah. after you had had your daughter. And I was teaching at my first school, which happened to be our old high school. Crazy. Um, and you and I would meet up regularly for pub nights. And we would just talk. You had a small child at that time. I think mm-hmm. Lena was maybe in toddler maybe her toddler years probably one two and we would just we would just talk about life and like talk Mm -hmm. about 
real things and real struggles. And you were just really straight talking. <laughs> I just appreciated it a lot at the time. And then mm. we kind of went our separate ways again. So yeah. you moved to Sweden a few years later. I don't actually remember exactly when did you move over to Sweden? Or 2013 in the fall. Okay. And so then it was a year later that I moved to Malaysia yeah. and I was there for a little bit. And then I was, and then I um, got my second international teaching job in, in Germany. So we were yeah. much closer geographically at that point And we were able to kind of pick up where we'd left off, I would yeah. say. So yeah. you were able to come to Germany. I was able to visit in Sweden and yeah, yeah it was just a really, really nice time. And and it's crazy, but our lives have really paralleled in so many ways. When I was when I was making some notes before talking today, I was just like, mm -hmm. my mind was being blown at yeah. the connections. So, so your dad um, developed and fought cancer while you were living abroad in Sweden, and my dad developed the same cancer yeah. a couple of years later, right after I moved to Europe. Yeah. And I th I think they even had the same doctor. They had the same oncologist. Yeah, it's crazy. Same nurses, and I was so grateful at the time because so this is before my son was born before he was even a glimmer in my mm -hmm. eye mm -hmm. but I was able to talk to you at that time about how I was feeling and and uh you know whether or not I should go back to Canada to when I could to to help out and aside from that we, we've both been in an international relationship for many years so mm -hmm. um I was kind of able to to see firsthand how that played into your life, just it just yeah. the the effects that that had, as opposed to yeah. maybe maybe being with someone who's just from Canadian. your own nationality or your own country, yeah. So mm -hmm. and yeah, so then I started a decade and a half later in my own international relationship. So we've talked a lot about that, and not just motherhood, but now also the struggles with living abroad and learning a second language while having a child. Yeah, that's a huge one. And so we are both teachers and, uh, you know, we've both taught in the English school, international school system for a while. So when you're doing that on your own, which I had done for a few years before my son Oscar was born, I lived in Germany for three years before I really started needing to think about learning German quite seriously. Because once I met my partner, who is German and had our son, who is mm. now a dual citizen, his first language as he grows up is going to be German because we live in Germany. Mm. And your daughter, yeah. um, you know, was learning Swedish from the moment she was born or or hearing Swedish. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, she her first language is is English and she could understand Swedish. But it literally took a month for her when we moved over when she was about, I think she just turned four. For it to just like click in. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Kids are like sponges. I'm so excited to uh, Oscar's just at the stage where he's starting to say his first couple of words. And so he's saying things like bitte and danke and mehr. And, um, you know, I, I wonder what that first English word will be because we do speak yeah. English and German with him. But I will say, though, like, you know, you're in a great position because you get to learn the language along with him. So yeah, your your listening comprehension skills and and everything like that. I mean, you've got German already a little bit, but you mm. get to you get to learn along with them. So I think it's going to be fairly like easy for you, I would think. Anyway. Well, let's just let's just jump in right there because I have never actually we've never talked specifically in detail about this. But how would you say your Swedish was until you were sort of forced? to develop your Swedish to a uh, proficient, yeah, fluent. Uh, yeah. And I also, I think you're having the same problem as I do now with two languages is 
I drop, I, I like, I have a brain freeze combined with like, oh my gosh. even, even if Lena is 13 years old, I have like massive language freezes. Sometimes I just drop the words all over the place and I can't, I can't find them. It's like, I'm almost, I feel like sometimes I'm going through like Alzheimer's or something. That plus mom brain. It's just, yeah. You can't think of it in either language or you don't know it in the, it, yeah. Yeah. Body language, everything. I'm swinglishing all over the place. But I think my being forced to learn another language is a little bit different than yours because when I when I got laid off from my teaching job at the English school and then it was like a mass of just being dropped from an airplane, like thrown into the deep end of a pool, like, oh God, this is actual friggin' real Sweden now. I've got to learn this language. I'm screwed. So I, yeah, I think that for me was the was the catalyst to learn the language properly. So I had when I with Lena and everything, I could understand 90% of what was being said. But then I couldn't speak it until I went and worked in a municipal school, like not a private school, a public school. And I had to speak in Swedish, I had to write in Swedish, I had to read everything and like hold meetings. And the first six months, it was just I felt like a five year old version of myself, like I nobody just Nobody got my humor. Nobody got me. And I just like you become withdrawn, yeah. I guess, or yeah, I can relate to that. Like a different version of yourself. So, did you find that your, I mean, I know that Lena already spoke perfect English mm. um, and that your husband also spoke, you know, perfect English. But did you find that your either your relationship with Lena in Sweden changed or was affected or that your relationship with Jonas or your, your parenting? you know, was changed or improved or our relationship, I guess it didn't really change, but I get, it was, I was afraid to sound stupid. Yeah. I was afraid to sound like uneducated. That's the point that I'm at with my husband at the mm. moment is it's that like, we need to switch into us speaking German to each other because we've always mm. only speak, spoken English to each other. But if I'm ever going to reach that level of having enough conversation in on a daily basis of German, then it has to be with him because he's the person that I, you know, speak the most within the day and 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 yeah. parent with and yeah. So but it's difficult. It's just, though. Yeah. Like I mean, it's a different. It puts a different dynamic on the on the relationship. And if you're not, you know, like when I wasn't employed here, and then I have to speak Swedish with him, that was just uh, I was just so dead set on. I was so stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. no, I already don't have a job. I already feel stay at home mom. Yeah. Stay at home, mom. Hand up, hand up in the air. Put your hand up. Yeah, that's me. So I can really relate to that because it's like this competency. You know, it's yeah. like I'm I'm bringing in an income. I'm yeah. contributing. I'm hardworking. And then you know, and these are all just stories that we tell in our head. Like not to say that if you you know if you're a stay at home mom or if you are uh, laid off or don't have a job or something yeah, exactly. that you're not intelligent or whatever. Yeah, but like these are yeah these are all the feelings that you have. So yeah. Okay. Let's um let's back up a little bit to you being pregnant. So you were how old when you got pregnant? Oh gosh, I was 23, I think. Yeah. How was your pregnancy? Awful. Oh. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so much. Oh my gosh, I because I was pregnant in Qatar. Oh, right. In the middle of the desert in like 50 degree heat. Oh man. I forgot about that. Working at a job, literally working in the middle of a desert at a construction site. I hated it so much. And then the first three months, I remember like I started bleeding and 
then the doctor said, you know, you need to stay at home for two weeks or whatever. So I stayed at home for two weeks. I didn't know that. And it was scary, but at the same time, I don't know. I just, I, I had no clue what was going on. Not a clue. Yeah. Um, Again, foreign country. You were in a foreign country. So illegally, like having a baby because I'm, we were not married. Ah, right. We were not yes. To even be living together. Right. But luckily, we had planned to move back to Canada anyway. So we had bought a house and we had done all this stuff and we were already moving back home. So it wasn't a big deal. But I got, it's just a different, different, you know, mindset. So I went back to work and they were expanding or something, something. And they, and I said, well, I'm quitting because I'm moving back home. Um, And they're like, okay, that's good because we wouldn't have been able to keep your job anyway. Okay, great. Right. But it like, you can't fire pregnant lady. Yeah. (laughs) Anywhere else. But there, they're just like, (laughs) good luck to you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So did you... When did you move back to Canada? Were you still pregnant? So when I came back home, I was just over three months. I think it was January. And so I got to tell like my parent or my grandparents and family and everything. And everybody was just shocked, just shocked. Because I remember I told my grandfather uh, and he like got up off his chair, picked it up, gave it a shake and was like, this chair is broken. And then went down to the basement and didn't come back up. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's probably not what you were expecting or No, not really. My uncle was cool, but it was just like people were just like, "Wow." Why was the reaction? Because like that? I never I am like the most unmotherly person ever. My mom says that all the time. She says, "I'm just not a maternal person." <laughs> really? <not. laughs> but she did a very I think she did a very good job raising me and yeah, she's very very maternal to her to her grandchildren, yeah. but she always says that same thing. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just, I, I think, and because I was so young and I wasn't married. Right. Um, and even though nobody really said that, nobody ever said, well, actually one person did, a couple of people did. Um, but nobody in my immediate family that like I care about ever said anything about like, okay, when are you getting married? It was just, right. I think that was just in the bundle of shit that everybody felt. Okay, so um, you mentioned we've talked about that you were in your early 20s. So what was 23, 24 with a baby, with a newborn? We had only been together for about a year and a half, two years. You and your partner? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was it like for you being newly moved back to Canada with a newborn, you know, in this new house, um, being one of the first in your friend group to have a baby? Did you feel like you had... Very isolating. Very isolating. Very isolating. Yeah. I mean... Also, because I couldn't get a job because mm. uh, I was pregnant, so nobody would hire me. And then, like now, of course, if like I want to go work at a, a at a coffee shop, I would love to do that. I remember Jonas once saying to me, "He's like, why don't you just go?" Jonas, my partner, sorry, why don't you just go work at like Tim Hortons or something? And I was like, "What? How dare you even mention?" But now I'm like, "Why? Why did I?" I don't know. I guess because I was, again, I felt worthless. I felt like I didn't have a degree. I didn't have anything really. So for me to move back home, even though I had bought a house and, you know, on paper, it looked okay. It was just like, oh my God. So again, I felt, I felt a little like a stereotype, I guess. Like, like taking step backwards, kind of. I felt that way a lot of times in the last, I would say, decade and a half, maybe two decades. Um, That same thing that I'm like taking, taking step backwards when really like if, if now I were to look back and, you know, 
I don't want to think about the people who told me like, it will all make sense, you know, but not that everything in my life makes sense. Far from it. But I digress. (laughs) But I think somebody said, though, that there's like, there's no wrong path. It's just a path. You just take it. I like that. Right. I like that. My my wise Irish friend who lives here told me that. I like that Hmm. one. I like that. Who's that? Give her a shout uh, out. Colin Matthews, actually. Ah, he's uh, he's him. a wise, wise old Northern Irishman. Nice. I like that. How many children do you have, Bree? One. One. Was that by choice? Um, I because I know it's not always by choice for people. Um, it's definitely not. You know, some people ha- are not able to have children, and some people yeah. are only able to have one child. Mm. But tell me about that sort of decision making process or or thought process. For you, she was not planned, but I think we ended up staying at one because because we had only known each other for two years and we really didn't know each other. Like, I mean, we've been together for sixteen years now, so it would be a. I feel like it would be completely different now as opposed to you know twenty three. I'm I'm I look back and I'm very grateful I had her young. I'm very very grateful, mm-hmm. but. I just, I I had to stop at one because I felt like if I didn't, especially living in Canada, I mean, if you have two kids and you're, you're paying for daycare back home, you're paying $600 a month Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just didn't make sense for me. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be out of the workforce even more. I'm going to like, I had finished my degree online before Lena turned one and I, st- I couldn't get a full-time job even with a degree. Uh, so I was just mm-hmm. like, why I can't have another one because one almost it impacted our relationship. Put so a strain much. on massive, massive strain um, because we just we don't we didn't communicate like we do now. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just it's so many things like I, I think if I would have had a successful career or if I would have been more secure in who I was and all this and secure in who we were and everything then yeah two could have definitely happened but I'm glad I, I'm actually I'm really happy I I have one because she's great and we can put all of our time and effort into her and yeah it's crazy well, to think it's crazy to think too that um you know so I had my son Oscar at I think I was 36 maybe 35 I can't yeah can't do the math fast enough but um you know if you were to have a second child now at 36 you're still 36, right? You're not 36. Yeah, 36, yeah. If but if you were to have a second child at now at 36, like yeah. that that would just be very I would say almost like normal common at this yeah. at, in this this day and age like um so many people I know having having kids in their late right. 30s or mid 30s early 30s and so but you probably couldn't imagine not with a maybe. 13-year-old and a baby. I know a friend of mine from our village back home. She's got a baby and an eight-year-old now. And my one of my really good friends here, she's going to be 39 and having her first baby. So it's very, very common. I just, yeah. I'm going to be 43 when Lena's 20 or whatever it is. So yeah. And I'll be, you know, I'll be 56 yeah. when, when Oscar's 20. So it's, yeah, just everyone's on a different journey. And yeah. that was, you know, having a child was not even in the cards for me. Like I said, not even something that I thought would happen until my mid thirties. So yeah. yeah, it's. But I think you're, I mean, like you're really lucky because, or I don't know, did it, it was it easy for you guys? What did you have to, like, did it happen right um, away? Or? It ha- yeah, it happened right away for us. So we, yeah. um, 
again, I know this is not everyone's experience, but I think we kind of thought about like, maybe we'll consider trying for a baby. And and that thought, I think, like implanted a child in my in my womb. So pretty much I think it was within really, I think it was within the first couple of weeks. I know, you know, it can take years. And that's sort of why mm-hmm. we, um, you know, we hadn't been too long in our relationship either by that point, maybe a year and a half. Um, and it, we just sort of thought this is something we're both in our mid to late thirties now. This yeah. is something we're considering for our futures together, and and we don't know if it's going to take months or years. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so it happened. And but did you feel the same though, like with your relationship, that it you had to like relearn who your partner is after having a child because you know it changes the dynamic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it was interesting too. It was a very unique situation because we were. Uh, we had very recently moved to a new city together. Uh, we were living in Vancouver. It was not a new city to me, but it was a new yeah. city for us. And right after we got pregnant, the pandemic started. And oh, so that was that just introduced this whole, you know, different dynamic of life together because we yeah. were sort of our only support system for one another. Like this was back when it was like lockdowns and social distancing and like don't you know two people per household limits and and so I think that we handled it really well considering this sort of as you say like just we were totally just thrown in the deep end it was Mm. so we handled it well but yes and I would say continuing to this day and you know that it's constantly we we work well and we parent together and we're still trying to get back to sort of get back to, I don't know if that's even right, to what we had before or to yeah. like, we're still learning our new normal, mm-hmm. you know, as parents yeah. together. So yeah, new normal. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I want to talk about staying true to yourself after mm-hmm. having a baby. So something that I really remember in sort of that mid twenties relationship of ours um, and sort of friendship dynamic that we had at that age is, is just really appreciating you being able to come out and, and have that friendship that uh, normalcy for me and, and to just meet up and like talk and have a beer and knowing that you, you know, you had a baby and I was sort of like, Oh, I, you know, parenthood can look however you want it to like, it's isolating enough to become a parent, to become a mother. And I just, I feel like in the early days you were taking steps, maybe you still felt isolated and lonely at times, but that you were taking steps to make sure that you were doing the things that you wanted to do. Absolutely. You need to, because I think if you don't, I don't know, you lose it, Yeah. Like you lose your sense of self. You lose who you are. I, I didn't want to just be a mom. Like I had so much other things that, I felt like I had to give and I don't know. I think that was just it. Like, I don't, I don't want to just be, you know, defined by one thing. I don't want to mm-hmm. be, you know, glued to my kid 24 seven because that's not going to make her happy. That's not going to make me happy. It's just, and like Jonas was, I mean, yeah, he's a good parent. So he would take care of her mm-hmm. so I can go and do my thing. And then same for him. Like I would, watch her while he goes and does his thing so that we both have our own lives. Like I like my space, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really important in relationships, especially after having a child. Like Mm -hmm. one of the women that I interviewed for an earlier episode of the show, episode two on mom guilt, go back Mm -hmm. and have a listen if you haven't already. She actually went viral for a post that she, so she, uh, her name is Mary Catherine Starr and she runs an Instagram account called 
Mom Life Comics. Mm. And she basically illustrates about motherhood, overwhelm, and marriage mm. and makes these these little comics that started as sort of a personal thing at, before the pandemic and, and eventually rolled into its own Instagram account that went viral, had a story featured mm. in Huffington Post and and went viral. And she went from kind of 10,000 to 190,000 wow. followers in like, you know, a fortnight. And so this post that she had done that went viral, it was about the double standards of parenting and sort of uh, she had these series of, of, of comics about moms and dads doing the same thing and how they are viewed by society. Mm-hmm. So so one of them was, you know, she sort of talked about how when a mom is looking after a child, they're mothering. And when a father is looking after a child alone, they're babysitting. Yeah. And, you know, and that's not... And and I'll say on her behalf, like, you know, she prefaced this illustration and comic by by saying, yes, I know this is not the dynamic in all relationships. This is not all fathers. But yeah, like it, it does have that feeling of like, can you babysit for an hour while I go out and like have a drink or for two hours or for an afternoon you right. know, or for an evening so I can just go be just myself and not like the mother version of myself? Yeah, exactly. No. And that's like, I, I think that, yeah, I- need to watch my words because I mean he's a parent just as I am and I have the right to go out just as much as he does invite you know vice versa um Mm -hmm. so I think that for me going out once a week with you or coming over here I'm finishing or doing my Swedish university degree here and that's for me also for her in a way because then she sees me not like she sees me going out she sees me not losing who I am or or right. having the independence and uh, whatever, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really really important. I never wanted to be just stuck to her. Yeah. Do you um do you feel like in your relationship as parents or just in your relationship in general that one of you is more extroverted or introverted than the other, and like what kind of a dynamic? Hmm. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's I I I often say like oh I don't like people or I just need to be away from people. <laughs> Because I, I don't know if that's because of teaching. Like you're just around so much noise all the time. Yeah. That I just need to like decompress. Decompress. And Jonas, <laughs> Jonas works at home. So he doesn't see any people. Yeah. Right? It's the same with my husband. Yeah. He's, he's worked from home for the last three years. And then add the pandemic in there. And he he was sort of is very content to, um, you know, have his small bubble anyways yeah. of, of friends and family. And I was always very extroverted and, and you know, I want to go out and hang out with people and being pregnant during the pandemic and having a baby in the pandemic and kind of being in this this forced state of social bubblehood mm-hmm. um, or family bubblehood for a couple of years. Like mm-hmm. now I'm just and being in a new country now, we've we've moved back to Germany, you know, now I'm just starting to build that bubble out again. Mm-hmm. And and so figuring that out in, in our sort of parenting experience and journey together is is challenging at times too because I just have a stronger desire to go out and and see people and and have that sort of social life outside of our social life Um, whereas whereas my you know my husband is content to not have that and or to not have that to the same degree as I do so we're we're navigating that we're still trying to navigate yeah I think Jonas is very like I'm a person I go to a party and I find one person to sit and talk with the whole night, or I found a corner to sit in. He is more of a social butterfly in the sense like Mm. can, which is surprising, but he'll like 
you know, flit around, talk to people and everything like that. But um, I would say we're both, you know, we're both homebodies. We both like being at home. And and you're at your um, daughter's at an age now, too, where you can you don't have to think about like having a babysitter or one of you staying to watch, watch the child. Yeah. Yeah. But now we've got a dog. So it's like, ah, it's like having a newborn. Yeah, exactly. No, but it was, oh, my goodness. so I remember it's just like, we, we went out for an hour once when she was maybe like 10 or 11 or something, or maybe 10. And we were just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, cause it's, you're, especially being abroad, you don't have anybody to watch your kid. Well, yeah. Like, we don't anyway. Yeah. Um, his family's not around, uh, so like around here. So yeah, we just, it was just nonstop family time all the time. And like, we didn't go on dates or, you know, have that romantic connection or whatever. So. And I want to, I want to use that to segue into sort of the last section and that is living far away from home. Mm. So Far away from family. So in our situation, we currently live back in Germany. We moved back to be close to family and just the nature of circumstances changing. Family is is now going to be living five, six, seven hours away from us. And so we're going to be back in this in this situation where we don't have that family on hand nearby to help babysit or yeah. watch watch our child or uh, watch our son. And it's a struggle. Like, you know, I'm I'm trying to build up a, a social circle and and I have friends that I can connect with on on WhatsApp. You know, you and I can talk on Facebook, but we can't have like a child share like my mom had with her best friend back when, you know, my brother and I were children and, and yeah. her friend's kids were children where we could just go to their house for a day and they could come to our house for a day and our parents could could have a day to yeah. themselves or to go to run errands all day or to do whatever. Like we don't have that. And that's well, we're we're actually hoping to be chasing that like we yeah. we. It's so important, I think, that we are actually planning on following, if we can, following our family so that we can have that. But yeah, you need so it. what's your, yeah, what's your experience been like? I think that it was really, again, like it was hard, I made the right decision um, moving here. And I, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't, I'm not going back to Canada, but my mom had a really hard time with it with the decision but then we decided like I don't know like when she visits Lena or when Lena sees her and my dad or my grandparents or whatever that time is really really special Mm -hmm. it's it's more special I think than it would have been if we lived at home they see each other like they spend a lot of time together yeah we're about to head home for like a seven-week holiday oh really seven-week vacation or or yeah family time I guess and yeah yeah, you're right like if we lived at home we would maybe depending on if you live half an hour from your family or three hours from your family like you maybe see them every month or a couple of months or once a weekend or something but seven weeks like you know Oscar's gonna have seven weeks with his Canadian grandparents and so that that's so that's special yeah and yeah and you really cherish that time but I mean any other time I don't know. It's really, really hard sometimes. Just that whole, like you're just in each other's faces all the time and there's no break. And then you feel, you know, guilty for like, I, I lost myself a little bit after I lost my job, but I was out too much, I think. And I just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good situation uh, mentally wise. And if I would have had family here or even somebody to take Lena, then Jonas and I could maybe have talked more or right. I could have 
given her to somebody just so that I could have some time with him just to yeah. listen. I am not doing well. I need yeah. help. Some time to, to figure out what was going on yeah. in your head and, and collect yourself and make a plan. And yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. It's really hard. Well, I remember I went down to Germany when I was, that was, what was that? That was October or something. That was when I was feeling it, like one of my worst. I went down and visited you and then just got my, my head together and kind of went back and was like, okay, we need to, we need to fix this. Well, you've been, uh, you've been an inspiration to me. Um, you have been, been an inspiration to me, especially in these last couple of years. Um, just sort of watching you, watching you go through that, that period and finding what you needed to do to pick yourself up or to like, to, to insert yourself into Sweden in a new way. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, as you say, like everything that you're doing for yourself now is, is helping your daughter as well, because Mm -hmm. she's, she's watching you go through this experience. And so I'm, I want to try to replicate what I've seen you do in the last couple of years. So I'm going to use this, this moment to um, raise my glass to you, you. Brie. Yeah, I just want to say thank you and raise my glass to you for being my straight talking, beer drinking, (laughs) open mic supporting mama buddy. Yeah. In my early 20s, but also for sticking with me and this friendship for much of the last 20 years. So we're not finishing there, but I just wanted to take that opportunity. Yeah, well, so cheers to you. With you so cheers. School. Oh, this has got some interesting. I'm just at the bottom of my you glass here. You got some, some, some notes of so, some notes of something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not not sure what it is. Um, okay. I want to play a game. Mm-hmm. I want to play a game with you. Um, and we're just going to try this out. So it's just a motherhood word association game. And it's going to be toddler mom versus teen mom. Okay. Is Lena is Lena a teen yet or is she still a preteen? She's a preteen. She's 13 okay. in June. Oh, okay. Cheers to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am just have a random word generator open. I'm going to hit it. It's going to give me three words and in English. And I'm going to choose the best one and just fire it at you. Okay. And we just both think of the first motherhood word that we associate it with from your current perspective and my current perspective okay okay here we go first one leadership she is her own little leader in the fact that she's very there's a word for it in swedish bestemmed she's, uh-huh. she's decided she okay. is very hard to make her do something that she doesn't want to do which i mm-hmm. kind of like oh yeah no. and i would say I was really stumped for the first five or 10 seconds. And yeah, going off of yours, I think of the term boss baby. Oh, <laughs> and, and I sort of think, yeah, that's the stage that Oscar's at. He's definitely the boss at the moment. I mean, you know, I, I say that sort of jokingly, but not also, mm-hmm. but seriously, like he, he, I, I struggle with not being in control at times or mm-hmm. like the decider of when we're going to you know, go back in the stroller or go back home. Like it's, it's hard to make a toddler do something that they don't want to do. Mm. Okay. Next word. Phone. Oh God. Well, I was that parent. I'm like, she's never going to get a phone till she's uh-huh. at least 10. Nope. Mm-hmm. She's had an iPhone for like longer than I've had an iPhone, <laughs> but I don't know. She knows at the same time. Okay. Now I'm going to defend myself a little bit here. She knows more shit than I do <laughs> about, like, mm. you know, just about- cooking hacks and this hack. And, oh, if you do this to this, you know, shirt, then you, you get this result. Or, like, here's how you sew. She knows a lot of stuff. Like, oh, did you know that you can clean this with, like, baking soda and lemon juice? So that's nice. So 
it really is like a little school in in her fingertips. Yeah. So. yeah, and I mean, we monitor her. She's got a really good class and a really good friend group. So that's it's great just about open communication. Yeah. Um, phones for Oscar. He knows definitely knows what they are. He thinks everything is one. <laughs> um, currently, he has a little wooden version, and when that's not around, he uses a Kleenex package. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> is he like okay, that we'll baby? Do- Have you seen that baby with the newspaper? No. There's a newspaper and the baby's doing like swiping on the newspaper. Oh, yes. I have seen this because they just think that's how it works. <laughs> like next page, next page. Okay. I'm going to do one more here. Yeah. Ooh. Safety. Safety. Oh, God. Um, I'll start. Can yeah. I start with this one? Yeah, you do that. So I think uh, um, something I was just struggling with this morning Um is I've got a little toddler. He's 17 months old. He sprints around. And, you know, I I just, I know that he's going to trip at some point, like he's tripped before, but I know he's going to trip and he's going to scrape his hand or scrape his face or, and so when I, when I see safety, I just think of like this desire to keep your child safe. Um, But it's, you know, it's only in your control to a certain degree, unless you are literally like keeping your son and your child in a bubble or yeah. like walking around with your hands as guards, you know, like, so yeah, that's, that's what I think of when I say. I also word. think too, it's not your fault. If something like, I think we blame ourselves so much if something happens to them, especially as like toddlers and everything, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like Nina smashed her head on the corner of a table once and we freaked out and took her to the hospital. And I'm sitting there going like, Oh God, I should have put I'm such a bad parent. Yeah, um, I should have put this on the side of the table, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, I think every parent has this, has stories to share. And that's why one of the reasons that, like, Oscar had a, a big accident when he was 10 months old mm-hmm. as well. He had a, a big fall. And we were very lucky that, um, you know, that nothing happened. It was mm-hmm. miraculous that nothing mm-hmm. happened. And so it's one of the reasons I wanted to make this podcast was to share stories like this um, just in general, like across the board from newborn to teenage to, you know, everything in between. Well, the teenager, it's a completely different ball game in terms of safety when they get older. Like it's, it's almost like psychological and how to protect them from that. Yeah, exactly. But it's also the school system too. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Which that's a whole different story as well. Like um, living abroad and yeah or in in a different culture or in just any sort of different environment than what you're used to yeah. or what you grew up in. Well, I want to ask you then, Bree, do you have anybody else? Let's see. This is how much beer I have left. I have, yeah, I think I probably have the same. I have one cheers left. So, <laughs> all right, I will do I will do a cheers to the three main women in my life, I guess, which are my godmother Paula, who picked up after she retired from teaching she would pick up lena from kindergarten when we still lived in canada and took care of lena after school and my mima my grandmother being stay-at-home mom when my grandfather was on the ships i don't think she gets enough credit for that Hmm. he'd be gone 10 months of the year and she would be doing everything by herself oh my god cheers to Uh, mima yeah and then my mom because she's my mom yeah. Uh, and Lena and her have a pretty special relationship. And my, that's one more thing that we sort of share and have in common is that my parents learn from our relationship, you and I, and the relationship that Lena has with her Mormar and Morfar, 
her grandma and grandpa. And my parents were very supportive of me moving over to Europe because of the relationship that they see Lena has with your parents. Yeah. So cheers to them. Cheers to your mom and dad um, for sort of setting the example of what what an international grandchild grandparent relationship can look like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So cheers to them. Cheers to all of our grandparents. Okay. Well, that's it. Um, there are, yeah, there, I'm finished. <laughs> that was good. There's one drop left. I took it. Don't worry. I didn't leave it. But, um, but we will leave it there. So mm-hmm. Bree, thank you so much for being the first guest co-host of the Raise Your Glass episodes on the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I really appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed deep diving into some of the topics that we've talked about in the past. Yeah. But, but yeah, so thank you for, for being here. Well, thank you. That was fun. Okay. Well, say hi to Jonas. Say hi to Lena. And thanks for chatting with me. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. All right. Talk to you. Okay. Okay, mamas. Thanks for joining us for today's Raise Your Glass episode. And hey, why not take this opportunity to thank somebody special in your life that has helped you in one way or another throughout your motherhood journey? You could send a message, mail a thank you card, or go ahead and give them a phone call. That would certainly surprise them. And if you feel like letting your appreciation for somebody live on forever in your social media feed, you can download the free Raise Your Glass photo frame linked in the show notes, add a picture, and cheers away. As for me, I'll be back next week with more stories, interviews, and motherhood realities. That's all for today's show. Until next time, mamas. Hey, Mama, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I made it for you, so I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so we can hang out together again soon.